Hello, friend. Welcome to the Hello Friend podcast. I'm here with Henry and we are so excited. I don't want to put words in your mouth, Henry, but I know I'm excited to talk about episode number six of season three of Mr. Robot, essentially called Kill Process.inc, written by Kyle Bradstreet. Pretty fast paced, pretty momentous in terms of what happened. What did you think of this episode, Henry? You know, I had this thought while watching this uh, episode, Margaret, that this is the episode that I've been waiting for, right? Like uh, an episode where a lot of things happen, a lot of action, uh, and a lot of things going on versus some of the episodes where it seems like it's just a lot of dead ends. I noticed how muted and filtered all of the scenes were. They had all these overtones of blues and greens and everything was just very muted. The scene with Philip and White Rose was very muted with blues and reds. So I just love that moodiness. And I loved all the references to timelines and time travel too. Yeah, uh, again, kind of hinting at what uh, maybe uh, underlying uh, White Rose's uh, vast conspiracy uh, and what he's doing with uh, Angela. Well. You know, I did have kind of a major revelation about something that we've talked about in the show. I think it sort of fits in with that theme is time travel and controlling timelines. Yeah, I'd love to hear it. Well, remember how Tyrell kept saying to Elliot, we're gods, we're gods now, or Elliot is no longer a god? Yeah. I was reminded recently that in the book Frankenstein, that's what Dr. Frankenstein says when he creates the monster. He said, I'm a god. And I thought that was kind of interesting. And it really reminded me of Terrell saying that to Elliot. And I just wondered if there were any parallels to that at all. Well, that's interesting. This idea that they've unleashed something and created something that wasn't there before, right? That's what makes someone a god is the ability to create life. Yep, absolutely. So I have some theories about that, but maybe we'll get into it as we discuss the story a little more. Well, if you're creating a sentient AI, for instance, this is the kind of thing you would say, right? I'm a god. Like we've created life in uh, inorganic form. That's definitely where I was going in terms of my thinking. So we'll see if that bears fruit or not. But there were so many interesting ways that we saw Angela develop in this particular episode where we begin with a flashback where she's watching a back in time back to the future animated series and I guess this is the humanizing Angela scene yeah uh yeah it's uh, give her character some depth and tell a story about where she came from remember uh, last podcast when I talked about my expectations for this one and I said if it starts off where where the other episode left off I have you know, I'll, I'll feel good about where it's going to go. If it starts somewhere else, I don't know. And this kind of like did both, right? Because it started with a flashback and I was like, okay, like, you know, another kind of long drawn out episode. And then right after the flashback, we're right back where we left off. And so I was, I was really happy about that. Yeah. And I'm not usually a fan of flashbacks and I was definitely like, oh, it's the humanizing Angela scene. There were a few times where it did pull up my heartstrings a bit, such as when Angela was sort of gazing at her mother who was dying because this was basically a party 
I suppose her mother was having in order to say goodbye to people while she was still strong enough. And just to see the way Angela was looking at her mother with this just fear in her eyes because she knew she was going to lose her. It was really intense. Yeah. Uh, the, the anger and also what her mom was promising her, right? And it kind of alludes to what maybe is going on with White Rose and Angela, where she says, you know, promise me that you'll believe that we'll be together again. Uh, and is she religious? Is she talking about heaven or is she talking about some other dimension? Um, and were these people who got leukemia sick because somehow they were participating in some sort of experiment where they were going someplace else? Oh, that's a really good point. Uh, that That's pretty interesting. And, you know, the reference to Back to the Future has been something that has been noted throughout the whole series of Mr. Robot. And one thing that's emphasized is the whole idea of you can't really mess with the timeline. They also have that idea in the Doctor Who universe as well. And so that all sort of lends itself to either what you're suggesting or I guess maybe some kind of time travel element. But I'm increasingly thinking this is about some kind of artificial intelligence, maybe like matrixy type of thing. Could be. Could be. Um, I think the writers are going to keep us guessing for sure. <laughs> I hope so. And that that is true. And, you know, another thing I really like about this show and especially this episode as we sort of continue is it, it really is one of the few shows I think that captures New York City in a, in a really visceral and true to life way. The scenes in the subway, um, the office buildings, and uh, even some of the apartment settings are just so uh, evocative. I thought it was kind of cute and sweet to see her interaction with, uh, you know, the Mr. Robot character, Elliot's father, uh, and, you know, the way that she kind of interacted with him gives you an idea of maybe why she is going along with the Elliot alter ego personality of Mr. Robot, because in a way she's also getting this kind of male adult figure back in her life as well. It makes sense that she knows the person we know as Mr. Robot because she did grow up with him and she was really close to Elliot and also promised to look after him. So we were definitely reminded of that. And you're right, the scene was really cute between Angela and Elliot's father. Elliot's father talked about the enchantment under the sea dance, which is a reference to Back to the Future. Honestly, I have not seen Back to the Future in forever. Have you? No, I have not. Although I did purchase it to watch at some point. Well, in the meantime, we go from the flashback to Elliot confronting Angela, where he realizes that he's been manipulating him to the point where Angela says to Elliot, you sound like him. You're, you know, you both are the same person. I know you both. Elliot is just very disillusioned and pretty upset. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's a it's a nice way to kind of start out the episode because it brings some kind of historical context that's useful later to watch uh, between the different characters. I think it was interesting to see how Elliot was sort of responding to his figuring out that Angela was duping him or or betraying him. He was talking to her like she was a terrorist and, and Angela was speaking as though she was completely brainwashed. And I thought that was pretty cool the way they sort of created that dynamic where it wasn't just, it, it was, Elliot was more than just angry with Angela. He was just freaked out that she had been so radicalized. Yeah. And 
to me, this is kind of like showing Angela's brain damaged persona. Like that's what I call that side of her that seems just kind of stupid, you know, like there's this like very kind of calculating uh, side to Angela, but there's also this kind of dumb side to her. Um, and I don't know how else to kind of describe it except the brain, brain damaged part of her. Um, well, I mean, you see that in various parts of in prior episodes, right? Where you see just Angela doing things that just seem really stupid or naive. Well, she's definitely one of those people who is always searching to discover themselves or maybe not know themselves. So she hooks up with Ollie and Ollie was clearly not somebody maybe that was a good match for her, but she sort of stuck with it. And then she, you know, which is not to fault her, but she just didn't know enough what she really wanted. And then she had all that time listening to those self-help tapes. And she seems like this kind of person who, you know, she learns Tai Chi and then she does it three times a day, every day, like a zealot. Basically just wondering if Angela is kind of demonstrating that she's someone who's easily brainwashed and like, she's somewhat of like a, a, a bit of a blank slate, like someone who's been kind of molded to be and act certain ways at certain times. And so she kind of manifests this trait in her other behaviors. Well, we definitely saw it when she slipped into supervisor mode where she admonished Elliot for being in the building because he was dismissed, wasn't he? And he did not have security clearance. Yeah, I didn't understand that. Like, was I, I, I thought maybe she was trying to trigger him. Like, it makes me think, like, was there a way that Angela and Mr. Robot worked out where she could kind of trigger Elliot uh, based on certain words or things. Um, but yeah, that's another explanation that I hadn't considered was that she was just kind of being brain damaged again and kind of going back into script. Well, I just mean she can switch parts pretty easily and she went, clearly went back into that mode. And what I thought is Elliot didn't want to take his chances that she still had contact with security somehow and she could have called security on him. I think he just had a practical, like this my friend is too far gone. I mean, even when she said to him, our parents will be fine, it's a little delusional, right? But we never saw how that ended, right? Because Elliot just kind of blacked out, blacked and realizes Mr. Robot had grabbed control for a bit. Yeah, it's true. And we basically just see him outside. Yeah. So that's why I thought, you know, once she kind of went into a certain mode and started talking about it, I would, and he kind of started fritzing out and losing time, it made me think like maybe there are ways that she knows where she can kind of trigger Elliot to become Mr. Robot. Curious. Yeah, it was definitely the way they switch back and forth. I mean, there are times when they don't indicate it in, in the series, the season where I still wonder, and I think we're supposed to wonder, is that Elliot now or is that Mr. Robot? And then sometimes they'll be more indicative of it when they show the the glitches or some of the scenes later on of Elliot getting tossed around. <laughs> that was pretty awesome. Yeah, that was that was interesting physical acting. I wonder if uh do you know if Rami Malik did it himself or if it was stunt, stunt double? Okay, my over-the-top guess was that they had somebody wearing some kind of suit where they were green suit where they would not be shown who was who was doing the scene with him. And I thought that was Rami Malik, but maybe it wasn't. I that would be something good to research. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, and there are things that you can do in terms of 
replacing the floor or the pipes with things that look the same, but are actually not quite so hard. Yeah. Well, we do see Elliot have this amazing, almost psychic connection, right? Where he focuses in that the dark army is the red wheelbarrow. I didn't quite catch how he caught on to that, but he figured that out and, and sent that information to, to Dom through Darlene. Yeah. I'm not, I, it wasn't quite clear how he made that connection either. Um, but, you know, it seems like We've been, there's been hints at the red wheelbarrow for a while now, right? Uh, and so I guess it's been lurking. That's the equivalent of it lurking in the subconscious, perhaps. Elliot quotes the entire red wheelbarrow poem for everyone's benefit. And then he ends up being a, an informant for the FBI through Darlene, which is crazy that he sort of made that choice. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a lot of things that kind of come to a head or kind of reveal themselves in this episode. That's uh, pretty gratifying. Santiago being the snake in the grass that he is at the FBI. Putting what mud in the gears, just slowing things down and, and perverting the course of justice. Oh boy. I'll tell you, it's, it's pretty upsetting to see that. And even Dom's sidekick, I, I can't recall his name right now is sort of getting suspicious. We also saw there that the UN vote went through for the annexation of the Congo by China. Yeah, and it makes you think when uh, Price and White Rose are talking to each other and Price says, you, you know, you got what you wanted. Is he talking about the Dark Army? I'm not sure because it seems like the Dark Army might be kind of a tool. So is he talking about China um, or is he talking about some sort of interest or cabal behind White Rose? Or is he just talking about White Rose himself? Is White Rose really the person pulling all the strings in the background? Their interaction was so well done because it was incredibly restrained. And it was these two people who clearly hate each other, but they can't let each other see that they're ruffled, especially Philip Price. He must feel really under the microscope right now. And boy, oh boy, White Rose just doesn't even want to have anything to do with him. I mean, it's almost like he's done with Philip Price. He doesn't really need him anymore. Yeah, and I think it's also kind of a confidence that White Rose has that he's dealt with him. You know, it doesn't matter what he says or what he does, because in the end, he feels like, I've already got you. You just don't know it yet. Yeah, and it's maybe at this point, I should quickly mention that the title, Kill Process, do you want to describe Kill Process? Oh, I think uh, there's actually a scene in the show where Elliot describes what kill process is, which I thought was interesting because it's one of the few times where he actually does describe the show title. Um, kill process is basically, you know, uh, killing a process. There's something going on on the computer uh, and it's continuing to go and you want it to interrupt it and end it before it's actually completed what it's been instructed to do. Uh, so yeah, that's what a kill process is. And a dot ink, the end of the title for this episode is the name of a file extension for basically text files. So there, that one took some Google foo on my part. But nice. Well done. <laughs> thank you very much. And I just thought that was interesting to mention now because there are a lot of processes being killed from this point on, I suppose, because Elliot is heading to the data recovery center. He needs to prevent stage two from happening. And this is where we see all the scenes of Mr. Robot trying to, trying to prevent him from doing that. 
but we got to see some cool actions on Elliot's part with stealing that ID card and sneaking into the building. That was pretty slick. Elliot showing some uh, physical hacking skills in addition to his other hacking abilities. I wrote that writer, by the way, Maria Varmazis, who writes for Naked Security. She writes all those great articles every week about the, the security and the tech discussed in the episode. So now she knows about our podcast, Henry. Elliot needs to basically get into the main systems that control the batteries, the UPSs, because they're being essentially used as a bomb by malware that the, that the Dark Army has introduced. And I hope this is the last time I ever hear about batteries and things getting blown up, because I feel like this has been kind of a, a long-running thing in Mr. Robot, is batteries blowing up, don't you? Yeah, and sort of relevant given the the Android phones that were blowing up because of their batteries a few months ago. Remember that? <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, huh, Samsung spent a lot of money trying to make us all forget, right? Yeah, totally. Uh, so maybe it was just at top of mind when the writers were coming up with the plot for, for this season. But the battery idea was pretty intriguing because Elliot pointed out that security, you know, you know, I called in the bomb threat. Security has no idea what we're looking for because they they don't really see the these UPSs these universal power supplies as batteries and that can be weaponized yeah uh and it made me think again about the wisdom or lack thereof and some of the internet of things stuff going on and the race to put everything onto a network seriously I mean so basically the patch the malware patch that was introduced that Elliot is trying to override to, you know, kill, to basically to kill that process is to control the servers that manage the batteries. So what would it do? Would it make them overheat and explode? I think it's something about them causing them to leak hydrogen that would then be ignited. So okay. in, a, in, in a way, it's kind of like uh, the hack that the U.S. government uh, may have been responsible for, for the Iranian nuclear program, where they basically overrode the firmware and caused it to damage itself to the point where it destroyed the machinery. Mm -hmm. That's pretty neat. I did not hear about that. That's fascinating. Oh, um, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll send you the link later and you can put it in the, the show, uh, the notes or uh, on some of the, the Facebook page or something. Okay. But it, it, it was actually a really interesting example of uh, the U.S. maybe with the Israelis maybe uh, using computer virus to physically damage uh, the Iranian nuclear program. Okay, that's pretty neat. I'm not neat in a good way, just interesting that a lot of these storylines are probably derived from elements of things that happen in the world of espionage and obviously real-world hacking. Sure. I mean, Mr. Robot uh, is a MacGyver of our times. There's always some sort of interesting, real a technique or a piece of information being exposed. I really thought the scenes where Elliot was being thrown down the hallway and trying to get into the computer room would have made a great video game. <laughs> you know, where the character starts behaving. Like, I've actually played games like that unintentionally, right? Where the controls <laughs> just are go off and the character starts going in another direction yeah, and totally. you can only kind of control it half the time and you're just like, you know, like whenever, uh, whenever I used to play with these physical joysticks and the joysticks would inevitably kind of wear out and break, 
that was often the first kind of sign is like the character would just start walking in one direction because it was stuck on a certain axis and you could only get it to stay still if you pushed the joystick in the other direction and held it there. Um, so it's kind of like this with Elliot. Yeah, as he struggles to get to the battery room and he goes there via, he starts off in the computer room and I love how he glitches back and forth between himself and Mr. Robot and he totally freaks out that guy in, in the room with him who looked terrified and ran away. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it just made me think, what what would I do if I saw someone acting like that? And I would leave, you know, given all the public shootings and things going on now, like my my tolerance for people acting strangely has gone way down. It's like, okay, weird person, I'm getting out of here, done. Well, well, Henry, I mean, you know what happened to me this week. I sort of had my own sort of 5'9 hack Armageddon type experience in San Francisco with my building running out of water and power for days and even again tomorrow for the whole day. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is it what is it like like what is the mood with the fellow tenants like like have you guys all bonded cl more closely together has people become feral and strange like what's going on there definitely has been more the the bonding there are very upset people you know i think about the fact that the island of puerto rico has you know 57 percent of the people are still without power and therefore probably hot water and I just can't imagine how they've managed to endure because, uh, I mean, this is in the downtown San Francisco. So it's, you know, uh, the elevators still worked and the, the keys still work. So, but it, it, it's been rough. But I've also, to your point, been spending a lot of time in cafes working. So I have wireless access. And um, that's been interesting too, in terms of just the people you meet in society <laughs> since you were just mentioning that. Have you noticed anyone being particularly aggro? Yes, I have. And all sorts of people. I've noticed a lot of people talking to themselves in cafes. It's been pretty interesting. Like people will just talk to themselves and it's every type people who have mental health issues. Clearly people just talk out loud. <laughs> I don't like working in cafes. And then here in the building, I definitely was thinking of Mr. Robot a lot because you just start to see how quickly things degrade. The refrigerator stops working, so all the food starts to go bad. So there's a run on bags of ice in the store down the street. And you just start to see these little things. And I think Mr. Robot, to your point that you've said many times before, the New York City would be a lot worse off than they're portraying right now. Yeah, I just don't see the transition to like eCoin or, or Bitcoin or some cryptocurrency being so quick, right? Where even the fees have adapted their strategy. Give me your eCoin wallet. <laughs> it's like if you were walking down the street and someone mugged you and said, hand over your Bitcoin password, you would just laugh. You'd be like, really? Yeah, totally. Well, that's something that the, the Naked Security article pointed out is if there was just two-factor identification introduced in all of these different points, even with Elliot entering the building with the stolen security badge, if there was another way of identification, either like fingerprint or entering in a security code, everything would have been thwarted. Even Elliot accessing the secure uh, servers, the SSHs to control the batteries, all of that would have probably potentially been prevented. Yeah, two-factor authentication, like biometric plus a code is pretty powerful and effective. Like that's basically what Apple is doing 
with its face ID system is they are, uh, I'm entering my code a lot more than I did before. Um, combination of password pin and uh, actual account pin plus face ID. Uh, so it makes the, the whole thing pretty secure, I think. Yes, and if anyone is listening, if you do not have two-factor identification set up with your passwords for things like Twitter or Facebook or your phone or any kind of services where you know, your, your bank, uh, if you can have two-factor identification, you really ought to. You usually just need to have some kind of backup means like Henry is describing. It could be a phone number or it could be even the fingerprint or your facial scan or or a lot of other things too, right? Yeah, and I would encourage people to kind of think about their security in terms of like hardening one particular specific channel. A lot of us have a lot of different email addresses that we use for a lot of different things, social media accounts, et cetera. But you should have one email account where a two-factor authentication has been enabled and you enable that for all the important accounts in your life uh, flow into that email account because these are the ones that people will try to reset. Um, because your security is only really good as the password reset mechanism. And most often that's email. So that's often the point of penetration into your accounts, people trying to reset your password and then either intercepting the SMS or intercepting the email by compromising either the email or the phone device. So the more that you can harden one particular channel um, and use two-factor authentication with biometric identification, the more secure you're going to be. Yeah, and there are different email services besides the usual the usual suspects. There are, are encrypted email services, which I think are also good uh, that are out there that you might wanna look into as well. Privacy is sort of, a lot of people used to say, well, I don't mind having my privacy invaded, have nothing to hide. And of course that's true for 99.999% of us, but what doesn't get considered when, when folks sort of say that are all the malicious attempts that can be made on your personage in ways that can really just muck around with your identity or your finances or your internet of things, devices. And if you really want your email to be secure, you I think you need to use POP3 and download your email. Um, IMAP where, or anything where your email is stored in the cloud is not secure because it doesn't have the same legal protections. Uh, anything that's in the cloud emails, uh, as far as I'm, as far as I know, Margaret, correct me if I'm wrong, because of the old privacy laws uh, governing emails uh, currently in place, they only get like 90 days of protection and they're considered abandoned. Yeah, I did not know that. I'm sure that's, that's true. I mean, a lot of the a lot of the laws are changing in terms of internet and wireless stuff, but not for the good and not in terms of protecting privacy. It's more like uh, eliminating things like net neutrality, of course, but that, that's good to be aware of. So anyway, we digress. Uh, just I like know. the show, sometimes we uh, venture into real world stuff. Um, so, you know, as, as more and more kind of reveals happen and with Terrell, following the instructions and uh, burning the, them afterwards and then disappearing and then reappearing. What do you think is going on with him? Do you think he was instructed to be the Patsy or the fall guy? What, what was he promised if his family is no longer there for leverage? I really thought when 
Terrell said goodbye to Irving, that the instructions were for Terrell to kill himself. I mean, I thought of something very dramatic, like a Roman style epic, but I don't know what the instructions were. I read one review where it was interpreted that Terrell did not follow the instructions on purpose, but I don't know if that was totally clear. Maybe it was for Terrell to be a distraction and it wouldn't have mattered anyway. So what do you think was going on with the handcuffs? Right, because as he's reading the instructions, he takes out that those handcuffs and he puts one on the bed. Um, and so I'm wondering if they're basically trying to set it up where Terrell is going to claim that he was kidnapped and forced to cooperate, and will be engaged in a big kind of trial, and will continue to be a thorn in the side of Evil Corp because the trial will be some sort of big sham or show. That's a good guess, and he'll have the fact that his wife was killed. And so people will feel sorry for him. That could that could very well happen. It was it was curious to see the handcuff there. We shall see. We shall see. And I had a question. What exactly do we think Dom has with Darlene? What do you think she means when she says you're withholding something from me? Oh, the fact that her brother, Elliot, is the one who's really the mastermind behind the whole thing. I think that's oh. a pretty big thing to hide. Um I think that's what she's alluding to. But of course, you know, we're burying the lead here. I mean, basically, it's it, this was such a New York-centric episode that Elliot only focused on the New York facility, saving that. <laughs> the other facilities be darned. <laughs> and he thinks he's a hero that he ends up saving the building, basically sort of with the help of Mr. Robot and getting out of the building and that was great, and he felt good about it, but that euphoria did not last long. I mean, that was pretty intense, I thought, that scene. Yeah, and I'm wondering if they're setting it up for Mr. Robot to now be one of the good guys. Um, because Mr. Robot, despite all of his flaws and his plans, I don't think would be someone who condones mass murder where thousands of people, innocent people, are being killed. Um, that didn't seem like anything that the Mr. Robot character that we've seen in these seasons really does. And so I'm wondering, you know, given the fact that he cooperated with Elliot to get into the server room, if Mr. Robot's going to turn a corner and now all of a sudden sort of be this kind of psychotic sidekick to Elliot. I could see that happening for sure. And so what, what I'm referring to, it's, it's even just hard for me even to talk about it because it was pretty emotional just to see that reaction. 71 other facilities that were holding paper records were blown up and thousands of people died. And the episode ends with us hearing news reports. And it was certainly was meant to remind people of what happened when the World Trade Center fell all those years ago. It definitely had those overtones. We didn't cover some stuff about Angela almost getting robbed in the subway. The only reason I liked that scene was because I love the subway scenes. But this ending is really what everything culminated to. And what did you think of that? I think it lays some really, really interesting things on the table for next episode. We ha we get to kind of think about what happens with Darlene. Angela is still there. Mr. Robot possibly be joining the ranks of the good guys. Uh, you have the possible retaliation by Price against White Rose uh, and the further evolution of White Rose's plan. These are all really interesting things that have been set up by this particular episode. Yeah, uh, and it was so nice to hear them say, you know, President Obama was to hold an emergency press conference. And I was like, oh, I remember when we had a sane president who would 
be responsible and responsive when a national emergency happened. It was really odd. It felt so distant and long ago. You know, that's so interesting that you mentioned that because I had the same feeling. I had the same feeling where I, I thought, yeah, I remember when bad things happened, turning on the TV, seeing President Obama and taking the time to listen to him because what he said made sense. It made us feel better. Uh, it inspired us to feel like better things could happen and that it was possible for us to work together to make whatever terrible thing that had just happened not happen again in the future. Whereas now when terrible things happen, you just expect a flood of lies and self-serving deception and yeah, just petty pettiness, you know, like you look at what's going on with Puerto Rico um, and how uh, that's been handled. Uh, and I think the stories will still be coming from Houston and Florida about how that's being handled. And I think that, repercussions of what's being done now we won't know for years and years and years and by that point a lot of these people will have gone on and been paid off by the millionaire donors who have contributed uh to the campaign it is really um incredulous some of the stuff that's happening on that front should we move on to which would you choose sure and we had a, a listener uh contributed uh, which would you choose is that correct Yes, from Jose. I don't know if he wants us to mention his last name, but Jose's Which Would You Choose is cable TV, cable slash satellite TV versus unplugged or essentially streaming. Which would you choose, uh, cable or unplugged? Does that mean cut the cord? I quit cable a while back and have been living the cord cutter's life. It's probably... Uh, easier now than it ever has been. I used to do something with the sling box uh, when I was living overseas so I could get domestic television there. Uh, so I've been practicing some form of cord cutting for, I don't know, like over 10 years, really. Um, and I don't miss cable at all. I think the biggest issue is really getting live sports, but there are ways that you can do that now legitimately. Uh, because there's more options than ever, really. Well, I would definitely go with unplugged and cutting the cord as well. It's It can be complicated, and there are lots of options out there. A lot of people I know enjoy using Roku as one solution, and I guess there's, I guess Apple TV is another option. Apple TV is great. I've uh, tried Roku, Apple TV, uh, Chromecast, Amazon Fire TV. I've tried all of those. Um, it really depends on which ecosystem you've had the most investment with uh, because your TV is going to be a big extension of that. For myself, I've invested a lot in the Apple ecosystem, so Apple TV makes sense for me. Uh, but if you're in the Android ecosystem, Fire TV is really attractive, uh, as well as uh, Chromecast. They all have kind of different strengths and weaknesses, though, and we can probably talk about that again mm -hmm. uh, at some later point. Did you have a which would you choose, or do you want to just um, go to the one word? Uh, let's just go to the one word. Let's uh, leave it with Jose and encourage other people to contribute next week. Yeah, just write us at the hello friend podcast at gmail.com if you have a suggestion for this week's which would you choose. So one word to describe this episode. What's yours, Henry? Uh, momentous. Yeah, no kidding. I had something else in mind, but really I just feel like the whole episode was so murky. The color filters they used in the different scenes just to evoke this hazy sort of 
overlay of a filter almost um, throughout most of the scenes, except for a few where Elliot was outside. I thought it contributed to the mood of the episode. So thanks for talking about this with me this week. And I really hope to hear from everyone. If you want to get in touch with us at hellofriendpodcast.gmail.com. And if you do want to subscribe or rate us, that would be awesome too. So thanks, Henry. Yeah. And thanks everyone. And thanks Jose for the contribution and participation. It's great. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. Absolutely. Take care, Henry. Enjoy dinner. Bye. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. Yeah, we're the